This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Do you like being scared? And I myself like to read Stephen King novels, and he scares the hell out of me. But back in the early 40s and 50s, folks would gather around the radio, mostly then a big piece of furniture, and listen to the programs that raised the hair on the back of the necks. I remember as a kid sneaking down the stairs to listen to the show my folks had tuned in, knowing that I was safely tucked up in bed. Uh-huh, sure. And I distinctly remember trying to squelch a terrified scream when something horrifying occurred. Programs like Lights Out, Escape, and the show you're going to listen to tonight, Inner Sanctum. The series featured stories of mystery, terror, and suspense. And its tongue-in-cheek introductions were in sharp contrast to the shows like Suspense and Whistler. A spooky melodramatic organ uh, scored, played by Lou White, punctuated the host's Raymond, many morbid jokes and playful puns, his tongue-in-cheek style and ghoulish relish of his own tales became the standard for many horror narrators to follow. Beginning in 1945, Lipton T. sponsored the series, pairing Raymond with cheery commercial spokeswoman Mary Bennett, a.k.a. the Tea Lady, whose blithesome spirit and pitches for Lipton Tea contrasted sharply with the macabre themes of the stories. She primly chided the host for his trademark dark humor and creepy manner. The program's familiar and famed audio trademark was the eerie creaking door, which opened and closed the broadcasts. You'll hear that shortly in tonight's show called Lonely Sleep. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host at the squeaking door again. Just, um... Slither in and let me dispel your weariness with a bit of weariness, hmm? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, please. Don't sit in that chair. I'm uh, saving it for rigor mortis to set in. <laughs> oh, dear. I see this is going to be one of those nights when my favorite character gets killed. Yes, Mary. But don't scream blow murder because this is a corpse of a different color. <laughs> well, if it's going to be that kind of a story, I'd better tell folks about something cheerful first. Yes, I mean Lipton tea. Lipton's is such a friendly, welcome drink. And that's because of its brisk flavor. Now, that word brisk is important. It means that Lipton tea always tastes fresh and, and full-bodied, tangy and vigorous. It's never flat or wishy-washy. 
That's the reason why Lipton seems to make good food taste better and why Lipton tea is the perfect beverage to serve on your entertaining friends. So even if you're not a regular tea drinker, you should try Lipton's. That brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. And now let's leave the world, uh, temporarily, of course. Tonight's story is called The Lonely Sleep. It's an original radio play by Christopher Mayo, who scribbled it during a nightmare. And our star is Carl Swenson, who plays the role of Archie Gold. Murder is a specter which nudges all of us, anywhere. Most of us will never murder, but can any of us say we never will? Certainly Archie Gold, 30-ish, bald and mild-mannered, never thought he would murder. Archie was the window display man for Greg's department store. At night, the store is a fantastic nightmare of eerie shadows, covered showcases, cavernous depths, and dank, stale odors. With only his own hollow footsteps for sound. Because windows are dressed at night. It's night now. Archie's busy in his storeroom, crating his favorite mannequin for shipment to the mannequin factory. Being a lonely man, he talks to the mannequin. And being in love with Esther Newman of the store's accounting office, he naturally calls his favorite mannequin, Esther. You've been very mean to me, Esther. The last time I asked you to go out with me, you snickered at me. That's not nice. That's why I had to do this to you. Archie tucked Esther's smooth pink torso into a crate. There. Perfect fit, darling. Perfect. Then Archie wrapped Esther's slim legs and arms in excelsior, tucked them into another crate. So, you wouldn't put your arms around me, darling. Well, you won't get another chance. Then Archie picked up Esther's pretty head and placed it on his workbench. Oh, Esther. I'm so lonely. Why don't people talk to me? Why can't I be popular? But what's wrong with me? Why don't you go out with me? What Archie never dreamed was that the real Esther Newman was at that moment slamming the last of her monthly report books closed, flicking off the light, and starting out of the finance office toward the rear door of the store. She stopped by Archie's half-open door when she hears his voice. uh, No, listen to me, Esther, darling. I am making enough money here to buy us a little place over in Jersey. See, all my life, I wanted to love someone like you. You're so beautiful. You will marry me, won't you, darling? Why, Archie, go! (laughs) Sitting there proposing to a dummy. And the dummy's name is Esther. What a coincidence. (laughs) Esther, you, uh... You worked late? I I didn't know. Uh, No. I I mean, yes. Yes, I I give the mannequins names. Sort of a game. Yeah, a game. That's it. Well, they don't talk back, anyhow. No, they don't talk back. But they're sort of kind. They smile at me. And see, I'm I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. I work all night. Esther, will, will you go out with me Sunday night? Mm-hmm. Please. Just just dinner and, and the movies. Are we you could... kidding? Why don't you ask your dummy friend? Hey, say what a swell idea. She won't eat much. You can maybe get her into the movies for half price. And <laughs> When you kiss her goodnight, Archie... She won't slap your face. <laughs> Why are you looking at me that way? You shouldn't laugh. You, you're crazy. You're trying to scare me. <laughs> yes, uh, 
That's it. No, you're not. You are crazy. Don't come near her. Archie. You shouldn't laugh. Archie, don't. You shouldn't laugh. My turn to laugh. See? My... My turn. <laughs> you shouldn't laugh. People shouldn't laugh when you're lonely. You see, the specter of murder had nudged Archie, and he's obeyed. This was no mannequin at his feet. This was a woman, warm, beautiful, and dead. And being scared and lonelier than ever, Archie talked to his mannequins again. This time to Frank, painted and rouged and handsome in Greg's bargain 2950 tweed suit. You heard her laughing at me, Frank. I, I, I just couldn't stand her laughing at me again. You look at her, Frank. You'd think she was asleep. Her neck's broken. See, what am I going to do with her? I got to think. Got to hide her. Got to dress the front window, too. The window. Sale of cozy kitten mattresses starts tomorrow. It's a big sale. Sleep on a cozy kitten. I got it, Frank. The window. I've put her in the window. On a cozy kitten mattress. No real no. And then tomorrow night, I can... So Archie used some pancake makeup, bringing life to Esther's sallowing cheeks and purple lips. He placed her dead weight on a hard truck. He rolled her to the lighted window. An hour later, Esther's corpse, covered with gleaming white sheets and sleazy satin quilts, smiled in peaceful bliss at the empty street. Archie found his work well done. Nothing more to do now. Just wait. I'll go home. And wait. That's a good window. You look very pretty in bed, Esther. I've been watching you, young fella. Yeah. Saw you do the whole thing. I... What's the matter? I scare you? <laughs> no, no, officer. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I've been in a doorway across the street watching you. A lot of work to making up one of them windows, ain't there? Yeah. You saw me do the whole window, you mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. So I put the mattresses in, make the bed, put the signs in, then fix the lights. Then you put the girl in the bed and fix her face up. That's a nice job. Yeah. <laughs> Say, you look bad, son. Yeah. Anything wrong? You sick? Huh? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just tired. All through for the night? Yeah, I'm all through. Uh, good night, officer. Good night, young fella, and don't worry about your girlfriend. I'll keep an eye on her every night. <laughs> so Archie went home, as you or I might have done. Because he'd been too busy setting his little post-mortem stage, the impact of his crime began to seep through only as he neared his rooming house. Maybe the girl in the doorway he passed started him thinking because she laughed. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Just a girl, my date. You can't blame Archie for hurrying. You would have thought it was Esther, too. Archie hurried, 
He hurried to the rooming house. He raced up the steps. He had to get to his room, get in and close the door of the world. Close the door. That's it. They can't laugh at me here. They won't find me here. This is my room. Nerves. Stupid running like that. We've got to act normal. Sure, just just like nothing happened. I, I couldn't help it. She made me do it. Don't forget about it. Why, Archie, I... gold. No. 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 You, you can't laugh now. You're, you're... I'm dead, Archie. Yes, in a way. I'm in Greg's department store. I don't believe in ghosts. It's... It's just my mind, my... my imagination. That's right, Archie. You're too clever to believe in ghosts. I'm not a ghost, Archie. I'm in your mind. I'm part of you now. Part of you. Get out! Get out! I'll drive you out! Oh, no, Archie. You can't. Unless... Unless? Unless, Archie... Unless you replace me with someone else. Yes. Yes. That might do it. Someone else. Another girl. See? That's how a murderer thinks. Oh, yes, yes. You do the same thing. Archie never thought he would murder. Now he's ready to do it again. Get rid of his conscience to get rid of a voice. Archie lit a cigarette. He poured himself some milk, ignoring the laughter in his brain of the crystal. <laughs> Look at your hands, Archie. Look at them. <laughs> oh, crooked and hard and clutchy. Oh. Like they were on my throat. Oh, shut Archie threw himself on the bed and jammed the pillow against his ears and fell into a dream worse than reality. Archie felt a little better. After all, if they discovered anything, Mr. Gregg wouldn't have called. He'd have sent the police. Feeling of confidence stayed with him until he stood across the street from Gregg's. He lost it then. It dropped with a sickening pain about his heart and a dry pinching about his lips. People were standing three deep in front of his window display. And he caught sight of a policeman's cab following Mr. Gregg's bald head into the store. Were you thinking of going window shopping tomorrow? Hmm? <laughs> Want to be popular? Have lots of people crowding about you on the uh, sidewalk side of a plate glass window? Want to be a mannequin? 
<laughs> Look up Archie Gold. He's the mannequin doer. <laughs> well, all I can say is I'm glad that murderer is about to be caught. Why, Mary, don't talk that way. It was really kind of Archie to put her on the mattress. She was so sleepy. In fact, she was dead to the world. <laughs> yes, the one to feel sorry for is Archie. Why, the poor fellow's shivering. Why don't you make him a cup of uh, Lipton tea? Hmm? <laughs> Lipton's is too good for him. And besides, he's probably too scared to taste the difference between Lipton's and ordinary teas. Yes, folks, Lipton tea is different. In the language of tea experts, Lipton's has a brisk flavor. And when they use that, use that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, they mean that Lipton tea tastes tangy and spirited, really full-bodied. It's never flat or weak. So get acquainted with that brisk flavor. Why, you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is. Well, let's see how good Archie's alibi is. Remember Archie, the lonely little man who dresses Greg's department store windows at night? Just couldn't stand being spurned by Esther Newman any longer. She laughed at him when he asked for a date, and now... Esther is a lifeless mannequin advertising the restful qualities of cozy kitten mattresses in the window display. And Archie enters the store to see what's in store for him. Uh, uh Mr. Uh, Greg, I'm, uh... Archie Gold, come in, come in. Close the door. Sit down. My boy, you know Miss Newman and our bookkeeping department? Yes, sir. I knew her, but I'd, I'd, I'd like a chance now, you're to, going uh... to get a chance, my boy. Before leaving on a week's vacation, Miss Newman completed our annual report. Miss Newman is on vacation? Yes, yes, yes. Which isn't important. A report shows we sold 16 cozy kitten mattresses in one year. Well, that's not many, is it, sir? It's terrible. We were stuck with 1,500 of them. Just a minute now. Jenkins. Jenkins. Yes, Mr. Gregg. How many mattresses have you sold now? 802, sir. You hear that, Gold? Yes, sir. 802 mattresses in a couple of hours. And your window display did that. My boy, you're a genius. Uh, Mr. Gregg, I... I no, 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 no. I know just what you're going to say. Any man who has the imagination to put a woman dummy asleep in a window, and such a dummy, so, so peaceful. How much we pay you, Archie? Thirty-six forty-seven a week, sir. Starting today, it's seventy-two ninety-four. And a private office, and you're the head window display manager of my three stores. Ha! Stunned you, huh? Everything I've always wanted. What's more? I've had pictures taken of that window with the crowds, and the paper promised to run it in tonight's edition. With your name. Good? Yes, sir. I, I want you to know, sir, I, I appreciate it. Oh, all. nonsense. Greg knows a bargain. I'll go home to bed again, or I'll take tonight off. Oh, no, no. I, uh, I, I have work to do. Ah, get more good ideas? Good, good. Uh, m Mr. Greg. Yes, my boy. If, uh, if the mattresses are selling so well, we won't need the display. I, I can take it out tonight. Oh, nonsense. Don't touch it. We'll run this sale for two weeks. I just ordered 1,500 more mattresses. Success and popularity was sweet to Archie's taste. But Archie knew a corpse, no matter how beautiful, cannot survive the sun beating through glass for long. And Archie knew that. It was a wretched rainy night. Greg's department store had long since closed its doors. The night belonged again to Archie. Now he had a nasty job to do. He drew the curtains across the big window. Casey Officer was watching again. Esther was just a mannequin now, a mannequin of flesh and bones, but a mannequin. And Archie spoke to his mannequin. 
You've had a hard day, Esther, darling, haven't you? Well, it's all over now. You never did anything for me alive. Said you brought me success. Now I've got to send you away. You're stiff and cold, Esther. And you can't laugh now, can you? Esther couldn't laugh. And Archie opened the crates which contained the mannequin he had originally planned to ship. With a few simple tools and lots of work, he made Esther, the real Esther, conform to his original shipment. A torso, a pair of slim legs and arms, and a head. That's, that's the alley door. Somebody's there. She's a cop, maybe. I've I got, got, got to act natural. After all, she's well hidden. Could I come in? Please, I'm so wet and tired. A girl. It's a girl. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, come in. Uh, get out of that rain. Thanks. Why, you poor kid, you're soaked. Come into the workshop. I've got a heater in there. Gosh, thanks. She was sent to me. Someone to take Esther's place. Feel better now? Yeah, lots better. You're very kind. How did you happen to pick this door to knock at? Well, the alley seemed a good place to get out of the wind. It started to rain and I saw your light. Oh, I see. And you're broke. Yeah. The usual story. I came to town from Philly to get a job. Job was there, all right, but the boss wasn't on the level. Well, don't you have a home? A parents or a husband, I mean? Uh, oh, that's no. a shame. Um, look, uh, stay stay right there now. I'll, I'll be right uh, back. You're, you're not uh, leaving me, are you? No, no, I'm going to get a blanket to, to put across your shoulders. I'll be right back. Of course he'd be right back. Wasn't this just what he needed? Another mannequin to satisfy Esther's voice? made sense. The second time, it's easier. It always is. Don't move, man. I'll put it across your shoulders. All right. You're a very lonely man, aren't you, Mr. Gold? How do you know that? Because I like you. How does that prove I'm lonely? I like lonely people. Why? Because I'm terribly lonely myself. I I got some coffee in the thermos here. I'll I'll get you some. I like it here. I like to look at the mannequins, especially that handsome one there. What do you call him? What do you mean, call him? Well, you must talk to him. I would. You're wonderful. You understand? Yeah, I I do. I do talk to him. His name's Frank. Uh, Frank, meet May. May, this is Frank. Hello, Frank. I'm sleepy, Frank. Oh, May. Why did you come tonight? Why couldn't you have come two nights ago? Uh, are you, you're sleepy? Mm-hmm. I'm warm and sleepy. Uh, look, I have three hours before my window has to be finished, and I have an errand that'll take me about an hour. You, you climb into the bed in the window and... and <laughs> People will see me in the window. No, no, the, the curtains are drawn. I, I'll, I'll wake you when I get back. All right. 
Looks like the kind of bed I could sleep on forever and... Ever. Doesn't always work out the way you plan it, see? Archie didn't want to murder Esther, but he did. Archie wants to murder May, but he'd rather not. Well, Archie drew the satin quilts over May. She smiled, closed her eyes with murmured thanks, and was asleep. Archie knew now he loved her, that he must never listen to her speak again. While Archie carried the crates containing Esther's remains into the station wagon in the alley, a little man with a sad, droopy face and a derby hat argued with the night captain of the local police station. I tell you, I know what I'm talking about. I, I stopped at Greg's window four times today. I, I know a corpse when I see one. Well, I saw that window, too. That's a dummy in that bed. I know a dummy when I see one. I don't doubt that, Captain. You've had more experience with dummies than I have, but I've had more experience with corpses than you have. That's, that's a dead girl in the bed. Now, what makes you so sure? I've been an undertaker for 40 years. My name is Huzak. My establishment is down the block from Greg's store on 10th Street. Uh, okay, we'll check. Now, operator, get me Mr. Greg. Yeah, Greg's department store. Of course it is home. What else at this hour? Archie had a plan. Excitement gripped him. But that habit of years was strong, and he talked to Esther as he piled her... Three coffins into the station wagon in the alley. Don't you worry, Esther. In a half hour, you'll be at the bottom of the river. You shouldn't have laughed, Esther. Then I'll come back to me. Sure. Archie had a plan, all right. But it didn't include the little old undertaker who knew a corpse when he saw one, or an angry, sleepy Mr. Gregg, or a confused Captain. We're right then, coming to a stop in front of the store. This is an outrage, a preposterous, fantastic farce. Getting me down here in the middle of the night. Prove I have a corpse in my window. I know, Mr. Craig. I feel silly about it myself, but Mr. Huzak here seems so sure. The curtains are drawn in front of the window. We'll have to go inside. In a minute, you're all going to look very silly. There. Does that look like a corpse? No. You're right. It's not a corpse. It isn't a dummy either. She's alive. Breathing. There's something queer here. I'm going to look around outside. Archie! Archie, go! Archie! Archie didn't hear himself being paged. But at the entrance of the alley, he saw the police car in front and he heard the police captain shouting from the sidewalk. That was when Archie decided it was better to be lonely. The lonelier, the better. They found out. That's the police. They found out. Hey, hey, you! Wait now. Not to. They won't catch me. They won't. Got the right, Fred. I gotta go through. Faster. Faster. Why can't it go faster? never heard Archie's last words. They bubbled through his torn throat as he lay in a glass-smashed window through which he'd crashed. No one. I'm... I'm... so lonely. 
Frank. Here's your Archie Gold. Bet those crates will be interesting. Uh, awful. Awful. Yeah. Quite a mess. No one was cruel enough to point out a gruesome bit of grisly humor. The lonely little man who'd spent so much time in display windows had created his final masterpiece. Archie had decorated his last window in Husack's funeral parlor. The lesson we learned from tonight's story is that murder doesn't pay. It's a losing business. Murderers are always in the uh, red. <laughs> if it's strenuous work, too, you, you're bound to find yourself a little stiff. <laughs> Mr. Host, I did not like that story. Well, neither did I, Mary. Imagine the cozy kitten mattress company pulling a smart advertising stunt like that on Lipton's time and for free. <laughs> now, that's not what I mean at all. And if you're worried about Lipton's, let me assure you that Lipton's is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. That's the kind of popularity that really counts. And folks, if you'll just once try Lipton tea, I think you'll be convinced, too. Well, I have to run along now, folks. Got some shopping to do in Greg's department store. What? Oh, I know it's late, but, uh, you see, Archie and I shop at night to uh, avoid the shrouds, you know. <laughs> by the way, this month's inner sanctum mystery novel is Puzzle for Wantons by Patrick Quentin. Oh, and here's a special announcement. Next week's inner sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man whose dreams always come true. All he has to do is to dream that somebody's being murdered and... <laughs> Enough to keep you awake, isn't it? <laughs> oh, until we meet again next Tuesday, you uh, you dream of me and I'll dream of you. Hmm? <laughs> now it's time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Stay tuned for Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. The show tonight is entitled Superstition and was first aired in 1949. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L-O The big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca pudding. Yes, And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, we see a romantic little family scene. Liz and George are having dinner by candlelight. Oh, isn't this romantic, dear? I just love eating by candlelight, don't you? 
Well, I could stand just a wee bit more light. What for? I haven't found my plate yet. <laughs> oh, stop. I've been passing food to someone over there. Well, let's turn on the lights and see who it is. Oh, George, you have no soul. Why can't you be sentimental like I am? I am. Honestly, honey, I love eating by candlelight. You do? Yes. You look so radiant. I could just sit and gaze at you all night with your face picking up the soft glow of the candlelight. That's the pot roast, George. I'm over here. Oh, I was just kidding, honey. I really love candlelight. It's wonderful. Now what are you doing? I'm feeling for the gravy. I found it. Oh, what's the use of fighting it? I'll turn the lights on. Oh, there you are. Oh, George. <laughs> oh, honey, baby. Now, what are you crying about? We were just having fun. I wanted this to be such a wonderful evening for just the two of us, and now it's all loused up. Oh, <laughs> no, it isn't, baby. It is, too, and I know why. I know, honey. It's my fault. No, it isn't. The whole thing happened because I walked under a ladder this morning. Now, Liz, that didn't have anything to do with it. It did, too. Honey, don't be silly. The dinner would have been just as bad if you hadn't walked under the ladder. What? I, I, I mean, things would have gone wrong just the same. They would not. Liz, I thought we settled this ridiculous business of your believing in superstitions. We've had this discussion a thousand times. I know. Well, didn't I convince you that there's no basis to it? It's silly, sentimental, feminine nonsense. Yes, George. Now, you're never going to think about them again, are you? I promise. My goodness, I never believed in superstitions in my life, and I've never had any bad luck. Knockwood. Oh, I, I'm sorry, George. I just didn't want to break the spell. You said I haven't had any bad luck, and I thought, I hope he never does, and then I knocked on wood to make sure you won't, because if I didn't, you might, see? <laughs> I give up. Well, that was the last time, George. Really, really, I, I'm not superstitious. I'm not even plain everyday stitches. <laughs> well, that's better. <clears throat> Give me a goodbye to superstitions, kids, huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, you kiss good. Oh, thank you. Where'd you ever get those lips? In a surplus store. <laughs> they were part of a bugler's kit. <laughs> <laughs> Silly. Ah, gee, George, you're so wonderful. I love you even when you're mad at me. And I hope you never change. I hope I never do either. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. You do believe in it. Well, why take any chances, George? It doesn't hurt. Liz, I'm really disappointed to find such an attitude in an adult, intelligent woman. Who? <laughs> you. Well, George, some superstitions are based on good common sense. Name one. Well, uh, if you walk under a ladder, it might fall on you. If a black cat walks in front of you, you might trip over it. Okay, okay, weak but acceptable. Now, will you explain knocking on wood? Uh. Well. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> I, so. I know. If you knock on wood and a termite knocks back, you know the wood's no good. 
Now, I want you to stop this whole silly business of superstitions and stop right now. George, you knock the salt shaker over. Throw some over your left shoulder. No. Do it quick, George, or you have bad luck. Anybody want more coffee? Now, stop it, Liz. Uh, give me some more coffee, please, Katie. Yes, sir. Well, if you don't care about yourself, George, do it for me. I will not, and neither will anyone else around here. Am I the master of this house or not? Yes, master. Well, that's better. Oh, look out, Mr. Cooper. Don't stand up. Oh. Coffee all over. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper, but you hit my arm. Well, it isn't your fault, Katie. <laughs> you see, that happened because you didn't throw the salt over your shoulder. You better throw it or it might affect Katie, too. Oh, no, I don't believe in that salt-throwing nonsense. Well, a sensible woman. You don't believe in it, Katie? No, and I've never had any bad luck, Knockwood. Oh. <laughs> Not you, too. Good girl, Katie. Oh, don't misunderstand me, Mrs. Cooper. I'm a wood knocker, but I'm not a salt thrower. <laughs> well, that's your privilege. I happen to be a wood knocker and a salt thrower. George, what's the matter? I'm trying to decide whether to be a maid knocker or a white thrower. <laughs> Will those bring good luck, too? Not to you, it won't. Fine thing. After 11 years of marriage, I suddenly discover I'm living with a witch doctor. Oh. Good morning, Katie. Morning, Mrs. Cooper. I certainly heard you and Mr. Cooper talking late last night. You didn't hear me talking. That was George. All night long, I got a lecture on how stupid it is to believe in superstitions that have been handed down from the Dark Ages. Did he get rough? I heard a crash. No, no. That was demonstration time. He broke a mirror on the floor and stamped on it just to prove it didn't bring bad luck. My goodness. Is he coming down to breakfast? Yeah, he'll be here in a minute. He's bandaging his foot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll get it, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, it's little Joanne Wood from next door. Come in, dear. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. Hello, Joanne. How are you? Fine, thanks. How's your father? Fine, thanks. And your four sisters? Fine, thanks. And your six brothers? Fine, thanks. And your mother? Exhausted, thanks. (laughs) Good morning, Mr. Cooper. Oh, hello, Joanne. My father asked me to return this umbrella. Oh, thanks. This doesn't look like our umbrella. Uh, Let let me open it and take a look. George, please, not in the house. Oh, Liz, I thought you were going to stop that silliness. But it's bad luck to open an umbrella in the house. She's right, Mr. Cooper. I opened an umbrella in the house once, and a few minutes later, I sprained my ankle. Oh, that was just coincidence. No, it wasn't. I used the umbrella for a parachute when I jumped off the piano. (laughs) You better quit while you're behind, George. No, you two. I'm going to prove to you once and for all that opening an umbrella in the house doesn't bring bad luck. George, don't open it, please. I'm just proving my point. Oh, my foot! Daddy wondered where that hammer was. (laughs) Poor George, it was your good foot, wasn't it? Yes. Isn't that hilarious? No, no, honest, I think it's awful you hurt both your feet. It just strikes me funny. I'm sorry about your foot, Mr. Cooper. Well, thank you, Joanne. At least somebody knows what I'm going through. I remember how my ankle hurt, but it hasn't bothered me in a long time, not wood. Oh, no! (laughs) Something tells me you better leave, Joanne. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Well, that wraps it up, Liz. I can't fight it. Yeah, we got a pretty strong union, haven't we? Look, 
Just, just let me calm down for a minute, will you? Then I've got a lot of work to do. Sure, you relax, George. I'll just sit here and read the paper. <laughs> Gee, it was cold last night. Listen to this. Min, 48 degrees. Max, 65 degrees. The night before, it was warmer. Min, 52. Max, 71. Hmm. George, why is it Min never gets as hot as Max? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Oh, listen. There's a cricket in the house. Oh, what else can happen? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, there he is in the fireplace. Well, at least we can see him. I'll get him with that newspaper. Oh, no, George, don't hurt him. Liz, let go of that paper. But he's good luck, George. You know, a cricket on the hearth. Hearth smart. Give me that paper. Oh, you murderer. Oh, darn it. You stalled me so long he's gone. Hooray. Where is he? It sounds like he's on this side of the room. No. No, sounds like he's on the other side of the room. Oh, I can't find him. Oh, shut up! George, be friendly. Ask him nicely. Please, Mr. Cricket, George has work to do. Won't you please be quiet? <laughs> I'll be done. So will I. All it needed was a friendly tone, you see? Well, congratulations. Thank you. You go now, right ahead now. Now, do you mind if I do some work? No, I won't say a word. Well, let's see. Here's the Mitchell account. The 14 and 18 are 32, and 12 is... 14 and 18 are 32, and 12 is... This is good luck, Alice. Now, George, he's just a little cricket and he's not hurting you. Do your work. How can I do my work while he's sitting there bellowing at me? He's not bellowing. He's singing for you. You call that singing? Well, you rub your hind legs together and see if you can do better. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Where? Out in the hall. I'll get him this time. Where did he go? Do you see him, Liz? Maybe I do, and maybe I don't. <laughs> Elizabeth, tell me. I'm no stool cricket. <laughs> shh, shh, there he is. Where? Under the molding by the bathroom door. How will I get him out? I'll handle this. Okay, you cricket. Come out with your hind legs up. <laughs> now, that was smart. You chased him under the door into the bathroom. No, I'll get him now. Just a minute, George. Don't go in there. He may be taking a bath. <laughs> okay, Liz. Okay, you've made your choice. It's him or me. George, are you trying to tell me that from now on I'll be Mrs. George Cricket? No. No, I'm, I'm just telling you that a man can stand only so much. I'm giving you an ultimatum, Liz. I'm not coming back to this house until that Cricket is gone. George, you don't mean I that... do mean. You want me? I'll be at the club. But, George! Oh. Ah, oh, you and your big, fat hind legs. Yeah. <laughs>
to the Coopers and the big cricket hunt. Well, it's been two hours since George, the mighty hunter, gave up the chase and returned to his cricket blind. Liz is still hot on the trail. Here, cricket, cricket, cricket. Here, little cricket. Let's go bye-bye. Where are you? Haven't you any idea where he is, Mrs. Cooper? No, he muffled his legs and threw me off the trail. The last I saw of him was in the dining room. What was that crash I heard? Oh, I got mad and threw a plate at him. Why, Mrs. Cooper? Well, I wouldn't mind if he just sat there and cricked at me, but he gave me a great big raspberry. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, it made me so mad I called the exterminator. Good. Let's let the exterminator worry about it. Well, I'm going to give him one more chance to save his life. That is, if he's the type to go for a tin cricket. A tin cricket? Yeah, I had one left over from a Halloween party. See, here it is. Well, you don't think you can fool him with that, do you? No, I might. If this happens to have cricket sex appeal. Oh. <laughs> well, it's worth a try until the exterminator gets here. Now, let's tiptoe into the dining room. He might still be in there. I don't see him. Shh, 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 shh. There he is. Let's see if I can engage him in conversation. Let's go. Oh, he doesn't answer. I'll try again. <laughs> Say, I think we've got his interest, Katie. I'll lead him on. I wonder what I'm saying to him. <laughs> no answer. Maybe you were too fresh. <laughs> no, I think he's playing hard to get. I'll really flirt with him. rhythm. Oh, that was just a coincidence. Well, I'll try it again. Oh, no! I got a hold of the bebop king of the bug world. Oh, you're making it sound like that. He always gives two chirps. Oh, I'll get it. Hey, good afternoon. Did you call the Acme Exterminating Company? I did. I'm Mrs. Cooper. How do you do? I'm How Mr. Do do? Acme. Well, what are we after? A pack of rats? A bunch of termites? A swarm of ants? It's a cricket. Yes, I heard of One cricket? Yes. One little, tiny, solitary cricket? Yes. You had me come all the way out here for one cricket? You didn't come alone, did you? You need every man you've got. This is super cricket. <laughs> well, you get stuck for a minimum charge anyway. Now, which room is he in? I'll give him a little DDT, and that will be that. <laughs> you think so, huh? Mm. Well, he's in this room someplace. He's over in that corner. It doesn't matter. I'll just spray this DDT bug bomb. <laughs> now we'll step out of the room until I count ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And that's the end of the cricket. Cricket! Oh, Cricky! Yeah, I guess he's gone all right. That will be five dollars. Five dollars? Minimum charge, you know. Well, all right. <laughs> Hark! That's impossible. That cricket is dead. Well, maybe this is his ghost. He's gonna haunt you. 
<laughs> Just a minute. No bug is going to make a fool out of me. I'll give him another dose. Pshh. Oh, darn it. That's the last of the DDT. Well, I'll get him some other way. I have a tip for you. Don't waste your time with female impersonations. This kid's a jaded bachelor. <laughs> what are you talking about? My decoy. I was flirting with him before. I was making like a lady cricket. Well, I have a tip for you. A female cricket doesn't make any noise. Good heavens. You mean I was just being one of the boys? <laughs> I was being so sexy. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, do you mind if I apply science? No, go right ahead. I'll use my cunning, my knowledge of their habits. You may not know this, but crickets can't see from behind. This gives me an advantage. <laughs> you mean you can? <laughs> There he is now. I'll sneak up from the back with this empty jar. Now I softly but swiftly sneak up and get him like this. Clamp the lid on the jar and there he is. Looks like he's used his cunning too. He's turned invisible. <laughs> I missed him. Well, he won't get away this time. You're going to use more science? No, science has failed. I hate to do this, but I've got only one choice. I'm going to resort to Plan 4X. A deadly new insecticide. Worse than that. Atomic fission. Worse than that. Good heavens, what are you going to do? I'm going to smash him over the head with a mallet. <laughs> That's pretty primitive, old boy. Yeah, I know, but think of the pleasure I'll get. That cricket is on his deathbed. Hey, come on, he ducked under the bookcase in the hall. Help me move it. Look out, tilt it the other way. I'll handle it. But if you don't tilt it, all the books will fall. Out. Mm. Now look what you've done. It's all right, I'm insured. There he is on the lamp. I've got you now. Now, wait a minute. It's all right, I'm insured. There he is on that base. Uh, I know, you're insured. Stand still. I've got him. Where is he? Don't move. He's on your head. Wait a minute. It's all right. I'm insured. Yes, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, now he's gone. There he is on the coffee table. Eh, uh, cheap furniture. <laughs> Look, I have a better plan. Let's dynamite the whole house. Yeah, come on, come on, come out. I dare you. Come out and fight like a man. Look, Mr. Acme, let's forget about Plan 4X, shall we? Oh, ratting on me, eh? Well, after all, it's just a cricket. Oh, no, it isn't. It's grown past that. This is bigger than both of us. This is total war. Oh, for heaven's sake. There. There. There, now. Every stick of furniture is out of the room. Close the door. But I... Close the door! Yes, sir. There are three of us in this room. Only two of us are leaving alive. I hope one isn't a cricket. <laughs> Quiet! <laughs> All right, my friend. 
What's going on here? Oh, George, am I glad to see you. What are you doing in here with my wife? It's all right, George. He's insured. What? <laughs> He's the exterminator. Uh, what does he exterminate? Furniture? Hello, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, hello, Joanne. What are you doing here? I lost my pet cricket, and Mr. Cooper said I'd find him over here. Your pet cricket? Come here, Rollo. How do you like that? He jumped right into her hand. Jumped right into her... <laughs> <laughs> he jumped right into her... He jumped right into her... <laughs> You're a bad cricket, Rollo. I'm going to put you to bed without any ice cream. Goodbye, everybody. Well, George, are you ready to admit that I'm right about superstitions? What? Don't you see? When you opened the umbrella, the hammer fell on you. When you broke the mirror, you cut your foot. And you have to admit the cricket and the hearth brought us good luck. Good luck? The house is a shambles. Well, sure, but we've always wanted the room redecorated, and now Mr. Acme's insurance company will pay for it. That's good luck, isn't it? Well, yes, and I hope it stays that way. Is that all you have to say? No, I, I hope it stays that way. Knock wood. Ha <laughs> ha, George! Yes, Lucille? Bob, I've always wondered what it would be like to be on one of those daytime serials. You know, those shows where they never finish a sentence, John's other thingamajig and what's it can be beautiful. <laughs> well, this is Radio Lucille. It's no sooner said than done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen now to Jell-O's Other Pudding. When we left them yesterday, the Jell-O pudding family was gathered in the living room. The doctor was just breaking some news to them. Uh, I'm the doctor. Uh, Grandma Chocolate, I have something to tell you. It's, it's about your daughter, Butterscotch. You don't mean... Well... It isn't... Uh, well... Uh, then it's... Uh, well... Oh, I was afraid of that. What has Butterscotch got? That buttery brown sugar flavor. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, I'm so happy. That makes me feel absolutely luscious with deep-down chocolatey goodness. And meanwhile, unbeknownst to Grandma Chocolate and Little Butterscotch, another Jell-O pudding is skipping up the driveway. Oh, I'm vanilla. I'm vanilla. I'm rich and smooth as cream. la di da di da Oh, Grandma, I just had such an experience. Really, it was such. Ooh, what happened, dearie? <laughs> oh, the nicest man picked me off a shelf and took me home with him. No. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> well, the nice man's wife said she always wanted a darling pudding just like me. And she fell in love with me because I cooked to velvety perfection in just about five minutes. Is that all? I mean, is that all? <laughs> no, no. They said wonderful things to me. They said I was nourishing. And they said a swell dessert for the kids. And they said I was delectable. And they said I'm 
George. George, wake up. What's the matter? Listen. What's that? Well, it ain't Bing Crosby. Did you wake me up so I could listen to that cat concert? No, I thought you could get rid of him. Because you're so big and so brave and you know how to do everything. Well, I don't know how to get rid of a cat. Oh, maybe I can scare him away. Critic. Well, I'm going to throw something at him. Oh, that won't do any good. Well, it might. Let me try. There. My gosh, he stopped. What did you throw at him? Our cat. Good night, George. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in the Columbia picture Miss Grant Takes Richmond. And be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week Presented by J-E-L-L-O. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. The Oka pudding's yes Listen again to Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband next week. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.